This is Under Pressure, a medical podcast. Join us with our host, Glenn Clark, as we dive deeper into various wound care, vascular and hyperbaric medicine treatments, and conditions. Each episode features a different medical professional, providing a multidisciplinary approach on ways to properly heal. Thank you for joining us on Under Pressure, where we dive deeper into conditions and treatments for the everyday medical professional. For our first episode, we wanted to follow good bedside manner and introduce ourselves so that you can get to know us a little bit better. Without further ado, we introduce you to MVS Wound Care and Hyperbarics Chief Medical Officer, Dr. Ziad Mirza. Doctor, thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you for hosting this, and thank you for having me over. I'm really excited to learn more, frankly, more than anything else. I guess I should tell everybody I'm Glenn Clark, and it's great to be with you as we learn more about this. Why don't we start, if you could, tell us a little bit more about yourself and how it is that you got into wound care and hyperbaric medicine. So, very interesting. It's, uh, it was never planned. Out of medical school, I ended up uh, doing my residency at Good Samaritan Hospital in internal medicine, and that led me to have a large number of nursing home patients that I attended to early in my career. Well, those days were very minimalistic in the sense that you take care of the patient as a whole, and wound care was part of what we do in some patients at the nursing homes. Okay. So I ended up getting involved with patients who have wounds at the nursing home, but I never called it wound care delivery Hmm. (laughs) until the Good Samaritan Hospital decided to open an outpatient wound care and hyperbaric center, and I was the first internist to join, and I I was even hesitant initially to join them, but... Why is that? uh, I I did not believe it's a specialty at one Okay. (laughs) It's just sort of part of being a doctor. (laughs) It's part of being a doctor. What are you talking about? But... (laughs) And the first couple of times they came to my office, I turned them down. <laughs> wow. <laughs> I thought, why do I need to be in a wound So then what made you change your mind? Uh, actually, it was under pressure from the president and the... No chief. pun intended, by the way, under pressure. It's <laughs> 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 so happens. Uh, by the uh, president and the uh, chief of uh, plastic surgery, Dr. Joe Orlando. So I ended up joining their wound center. And even then, it was a headache because the privileging did not go very well. And okay. uh, the chief of surgery that had the wound center said, oh, I'm going to allow an internist to be working at the center that's overseen by the surgeons. <laughs> 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 and the chief of medicine said, you're not in my, de- you're not in my, you're not in my department, but the wound kid is not. <laughs> wow. So they had to make an exclusion. It went all the way to the medical executive committee. And long story short, I became one of the few internists that start jump-started the wound center at Good Sam. From there, I realized that this is a special. Doctor, how how long ago was that? So uh, this is almost 20-some years ago. Uh, 15, 16 years ago, I was asked uh, from that point on, Greater Baltimore Medical Center, who had the largest and the most oldest wound care and hyperbaric center, asked me to join. I joined them. I became their medical director. And I realized down the line that wound care and hyperbaric is a science by itself. I sat for my board in uh, hyperbaric oxygen therapy and uh, eventually realized that this science can be delivered in a clinic 
outpatient setup, not hospital regulated. And this is when I decided to join MVS Wound Care and Hyperbaric. So let's let's talk a little bit more about wound care, doctor. What are the basics of wound care? So the, the skin is one of the organs, and it has to be treated as such. It is the obviously a protective organ because it protects all the other organs, internal organs. But also it is a manifestation of what the other organs or disease the individual is having. So heart can heart disease can manifest itself with skin, the same with liver, the same with immunological disorders, etc., etc. So the bottom line question is patients who have a disorder that is manifested in their skin have a larger aspect of underlying medical conditions that need to be attended to. Okay. Whether it is something leading to immobilization or immunodeficiency or issues related to heart, lung, or liver function. So really the aspect of wound care and is healthy skin and the aspect of healthy skin is making sure that the individual does not have other manifestations that lead to the underlying skin injury. What are the conditions that you find most often? Very good question, depending on where you practice, actually. So there are four types, major types, of skin ulcers. The diabetic, the venous, the arterial insufficiency, and the pressure. And I'll elaborate a little bit if we have okay. time. Yeah. The diabetic is mainly, they are mainly neuropathic. It is, happens, obviously, in diabetic patients. They lose sensation of their feet, and right. that predisposes them to have ulcers. The venous ulcer is a problem with blood flow coming back into the circulation from the leg into the heart. So there's a congestion at the venous end, at the return end. The arterial insufficiency is problem with blood flow to the organ, to the leg, let us say, in that sense. And the pressure also, as the, note, as the name denotes, is because of too much pressure over a bony prominence, there will be skin damage. Now, those are the four major types, but there are other subtypes, including infection, including autoimmune, etc., etc., cancerous, which we will not go into. Any community, usually, in the community at large, because of obesity, the, prevalent, the prevalence of venous insufficiency, which is backflow from the leg to the heart, mm -hmm. is the most prevalent. That is actually budging head now with diabe diabetic feet, diabetic ulcers. As our society is moving into an era where obesity and metabolic disorders are more and more prevalent, diabetes is becoming more prevalent. So I believe depending on what area you're practicing, you might be seeing either venous or diabetic feet also. In the nursing home patient population, obviously these patients have a lot of underlying chronic medical conditions, but most important leading to immobility and some muscle wasting, you see more pressure also happen. Okay. Let, let's, let's get into um, talking about hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So how would someone qualify for hyperbaric oxygen therapy? So hyperbaric oxygen therapy is a science that's evolving. It is not just, it is, it is, a, it is a modality by which you put a patient in a chamber and let them breathe 100% oxygen. Again, 
under pressure. <laughs> right, right. No pun intended. We swear. We swear no pun intended. Yeah, this is the second. <laughs> It'll probably come up again at some point. <laughs> so the most people believe that it's oxygen. It's not really just oxygenation of distant tissue. It is the creation of oxygen-free radicals and nitrogen-free radicals, which are toxins. And the important thing with those radicals or toxins, quote-unquote, is they act as cellular to improve cellular signaling. Yes. So they improve the function of the human body by creating new cells, okay, stem cell mobilization, by regenerating tissue, growth of new tissue, by regenerating new vessels, vascular and the theater factors, so there's neogenesis of new vessel formation, arteries, and most important, by blunting the inflammatory response of any injury. So hyperbaric is a larger science than wound care. One of the indications of hyper, for hyperbaric oxygen therapy is difficult to heal wounds or wounds that are not healable by usual modalities. Hyperbaric oxygen therapy is not a standalone therapy. It is always an adjunct to appropriate medical and surgical treatment, but it's widely used in diabetic feet ulcers, mm. in radiation injuries, in compromised flap graft after somebody having had surgery and the wound is not healing or they put a graft and the graft is not taking, hyperbaric will promote that growth. There are other conditions related to dive injuries. We don't see th so many of those in, in, in Baltimore, but mainly around, if you look at the Caribbean and the Florida state of Florida, you might see more dive injuries that would be treated with hyperbaric oxygen therapy. There's the issue of acute arterial insufficiency, like if there's a sudden blockage of any artery, including uh, hearing loss, uh, vision loss, all that can qualify somebody for hyperbaric oxygen therapy. So I've, I work in sports, uh, Dr. Mirza, and I will hear sometimes the past an athlete using hyperbaric therapy in an, in an, in an attempt to return quicker from an injury. That, there's literature brewing around that. However, I need to warn our audience that it is not yet FDA approved. Okay. And uh, those conditions should be taken only one by one cases. The short answer to your comment is that yes, sports injury, traumatic injuries, uh, there is an indication for acute traumatic injury, but sports injury as such, if there's no acute trauma, uh, hyperbaric will not be FDA approved. But yes, we've treated successfully some players uh, and they return to the game much earlier than if they were not under hyperbaric, under treatment. It's remarkable. Y you mentioned non-healing wounds. Um, what are reasons why maybe someone might have an unhealing wound? So again, it goes back to what we discussed initially, which is what why wounds happen. So multiple reasons, depending on the etiology. If it is arterial, it means there's a problem with blood supply to the leg or to the area. If it's pressure, it means the patient is not mobilizing himself or herself and they need to be offloaded. If it's venous, it means either there's blockage on the venous side or they need to be under compression. If it's arterial, it means they might not be controlling their blood sugar or making sure that mm. they, ha they have healthy feet. 
So all diabetics should have their feet checked at least once every few months by their primary care to make sure there's nothing brewing in form of infection or in form of other etiology that can lead to an ulceration. Medications play a role in that, as well as other underlying conditions like autoimmune conditions, cardiac and pulmonary problems where there's not enough oxygen flowing or blood flowing to an area, and the story goes on. So really, it is an open book of medicine in that but, sense. What it sounds like you're saying, though, is that like diet and nutrition, they're, they're really important to prevention of these non-healing wounds. Correct. Correct. We are, at the end of the day, what we eat, and this is what led me now to... Yeah, my mother told me that all the time growing up, and I refused to believe her because I wasn't <laughs> turning into a Dorito. At no point <laughs> did I turn into a Dorito chip. Well, believe it or not, my mother told me the same, but it took me years after that <laughs> <laughs> to experience it. What we eat is what we are at the end of the day. A poor diet will lead to underlying chronic medical conditions and poor healing of our skin, and we need a diet that's rich in protein to heal the skin. We need vitamins, vitamin C, zinc, and the story goes on. We need. Uh, we know now for sure that inflammation play a major role in non-healing ulcers, and any diet that decreases the inflammatory inflammation or inflammatory rate in the body is more prone to heal the underlying injury. So it, it's just not something you can be fixed, but you know, there's no magic switch that can fix everything. You have to take care of yourself in a more holistic way. Correct. The, the, the idea here is that the skin is a manifestation of other things happening in the human body. It's, it's very important that we know that. When should you refer a patient to wound care? So my advice to my colleagues is that anytime you have a an individual patient. We all have nicks and bruises that happen every now and then, whether we're working in our garage or... Or because you have a seven and a four-year-old who are quite <laughs> active and want you to play tackle football games with them every night of the week. Oh, well, that can happen also. But <laughs> Just hypothetically, I'm saying that. <laughs> <laughs> so we, 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 we do not get to see every single wound uh, injury. And the reason is that most wounds heal by themselves. However, if a wound is stalling, is not healing by 40% at three to four weeks, we know now from the medical literature that that wound is not going to heal at 12 weeks. So my advice to patients and to providers, if you're taking care of your wound with whatever you're doing, and it has not improved in size by almost half the size that it was over three to four weeks, seek help, number one. Mm. If the wound is draining too much, seek help because you might need a special dressing or a special compression. If the wound is turning black and discolored, seek help. Mm. If there is foul smell odor, seek help because then there is colonization. If there is any underlying tissue that's exposed like a tendon or a bone, don't sit on it. We know now from the medical literature that there is a very high correlation between bone infection and bone exposed to the outside. Why take the risk? Seek help and make sure that that entity is ruled out, the bone infection is ruled out. The wound might heal over an infected bone only to reopen again. So you're really asking for more and more trouble down the line 
once you fit into one of those categories. Okay, that's very important, those things that you refer to. You, you must immediately seek help when you're dealing with a situation like that. Correct, yes. Um, doctor, I, I, it's important that we ask this question. What's something that you learned in medical school or in residency that you still follow or you believe to this day? <laughs> that's that's a very interesting question. So in, in medical school, I think I learned very quickly, and we have a, I still remember the professor that used to say it. Uh, he was a professor of pharmacology. He said, he, he used to say, read something, you'll be very happy. Try to apply what you read, you'll be disappointed. <laughs> wow. Well, as a student, it didn't click much, but in real life, I'm seeing it. In my lifetimes through training, one thing that I've learned over the years, knowing that I moved around between internal medicine, nursing home care, and wound care and hyperbaric, is that knowledge is infinite. And I tell my students nowadays that, that train under us at times that you end up going from the sea of the unknown to the ocean of the unknown every time you learn something new, which is very interesting because you read about something, you think you know it, only at the end of the day, you discover that there are more questions than you had before mm -hmm. you knew what's going on. Mm -hmm. So, uh, God forbid, and we all are human, I don't think there is an end to knowledge. Knowledge is a vast, vast, ocean and that's something that i lose sleep sometimes at night <laughs> I, it, it's 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 quite ironic what you're saying here doctor because i feel like i've, I've i'm in the exact boat that you're describing right <laughs> now i you have taught me so much about wound care and yet it has just left me in a place where i have so many more questions <laughs> about what i have well, we might have to schedule another session for that Glenn. <laughs> to continue to learn more. Doctor, this has been so enlightening. I is there anything else that you would want people to know about wound care, about what it is that you do? Just take it seriously. Whenever you have an area of your body that's wounded, and I mean that, the skin is only an organ, and but it is a manifestation of other fu body function. Take it seriously and seek help by going to your primary care initially and if indeed you fall under some of the categories that I mentioned, don't hesitate to seek a consultation from one of our providers or any wound center that is nearby where you live. Uh, it's, it's so well said, doctor. And again, we're going to guide people. If you are looking for more information, please visit mvswoundcare.com. That is the best place for you to go to find out more. Dr. Ziad Mirza, truly enlightening. Do you want to say under pressure one more time so we can under get it? <laughs> well, Glenn, I am under pressure. <laughs> it has been uh, so enlightening for me to learn more about you, what it is that you do, and about wound care. It, it's fascinating stuff. Right. Thank you. Thank you again, Glenn, for hosting this. And I really appreciate the opportunity. We appreciate you all for tuning in. This has been Under Pressure, a medical podcast. The information stated on the podcast is for educational purposes only and does not substitute for professional medical advice. We strongly recommend consulting a medical professional or healthcare provider if you are seeking medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment.